Well, hello out there, friends, listeners, fellow human beings. This one-off episode is a collection of short conversations I recently got to have as part of the inaugural Neighbourhoods event in Long Jetty. Great little festival-style event over a couple days uh, celebrating the work of a bunch of local small businesses, creatives, artists. And uh, one of the things I got to do as part of that fantastic event was sit in the back of Modern Organic Cafe on a Saturday morning and have a um, series of these short talks with different photographers and creatives. Uh, Here are five out of the six talks I had. Unfortunately, I did have technical difficulties with one of them. And just a heads up, uh, you will be able to hear that these are recorded in a cafe. It's not uh, a recording studio, but sounds generally pretty good. And uh, the content is fantastic. If you are creative or just interested in arts and culture, um, then for sure you'll get something out of these conversations. So check it out and then go and follow neighborhoods underscore CC on Instagram to make sure that you can keep up to date with uh, whatever that grows into in the future. Here is my first chat with Grace Pico. While you may have just planned to come here and have a coffee with a friend, you're going to have to put up with some talking in the corner here from some artists. Basically, my job this morning is to essentially speed date six photographers in a row and have 15-minute conversations about their work, their practice, and uh, you know things like how their work connects to place here in Long Jetty, as well as how their work connects with... Uh, the crazy times we've been living through. All right, Grace, we've got 15 minutes to get to know each other. I want to find out everything about your photography practice, uh, your, your work as a creative. Uh, but how about we just start with the question, what's your earliest memory of taking a photo? Ooh, um, well, I remember my dad's a pretty well-known local photographer, fine arts photographer. And um, so I, I just remember growing up with cameras and, Cameras just being scattered around the house and he was shooting back in the film days and then, you know, carried on to digital. But I I just remember holding his cameras and being his, like, assistant even as a kid. So he used to shoot weddings and stuff as well. So I remember, um, you know, I'd just play around. So pretty young, probably definitely as, like, a kid at school. Oh, very cool. So it was always part of your world. Yeah, it's a part of definitely. everybody's world now. Like everyone's, you know, an Instagrammer and a sick photographer. Not really, <laughs> but um, it's cool that that's part of your story, right, since the earliest days. So um, your photography's had a bit of an evolution. You were just sharing with me before you've been through some different phases. Yeah. Did you study photography or when no. did you start to take photos like, you know, for a job? Well, I didn't even do it at school or anything, which um, I was just – I always thought I was going to be a musician and kind of go down that road when I was young, but then um, I think it was when I finished school, I was, you know, working a lot and then I, I literally just stumbled into work. Like I, was, I started shooting landscapes with Dad for fun and then I thought I wanted to be a fashion photographer, so I was assisting a pretty big celebrity fashion photographer for a year when I was 19. Wow. And then um, realised I did not like that industry and then, and I was just doing like little jobs here and there, just shooting anything, a lot of like little things for businesses or little fashion shoots. Um, 
dabbled in real estate for a year in that in that same year, and then um, I actually kind of accidentally fell into the travel industry at 20 years old, where um, I started getting hit up by tourism bodies where they just wanted, you know, they literally just sent me all over the world. <laughs> it's pretty so much cool. dream dream job. Um, getting paid to just do shoot fun things like if they needed content for um, like I remember when Vanuatu got done by the cyclones years mm. ago like the recovery for that was took years and then no one was traveling there so they hired me and my best friends well now she's my best friend we used to um, collaborate as a team where she she's a writer and Obviously, I'm a photographer. So we would get sent as a duo to travel around for, um, to just, you know, like mm. take photos of in Vanuatu, just cool things that are going on. Yeah, cool. And then they would kind of promote that and market that. And so, yeah, that was my life um, for a few years, which was just yeah. super fun. Like, you know, especially as a young adult, just traveling around. And That's a bit of a dream gig for yeah, sure. Yeah, so it was good. So what about between now and then? What, what has that evolved into and what's your uh, photography practice look like at this point in time? Um, well, I actually have a love-hate relationship with Instagram because that actually ruined that world for me, like the travel industry, because instead of hiring like a photographer on those gigs, it became just um, hiring like bloggers and influencers, which I totally mm-hmm. understand from a marketing perspective. But I um, was kind of happy that, I phased out of traveling. I know that sounds crazy, but I think um felt like I was never around, like being home, mm. like, you know, catching up with friends when I'd be home for a week. They always just thought I was abroad and living this nomadic lifestyle. It was hard to – you had – I definitely had moments where I just wanted to be still and mm. be part of like a community and like be just settled. Like I didn't always feel very settled because, you know, you're yeah, just packing right. bags all the time. So um, so in some ways, dream gig, traveling the world, beautiful thing, but probably unsustainable in the long term if you want to have those like deeper yeah, relationships and connections to place. Yeah, like, you know, you just it was just never really seeing friends. Like, mm. and then, you know, they would get partners or become engaged and it's like oh, I hadn't only met their partner once or I don't know, I just um, craved, yeah, just to be still and then – in that time, I met Tim, my husband, and then we he moved to Central Coast because I was still on the Central Coast, but I was I was working in Byron a lot actually as well, shooting. So, and I you know bought a van so I could just kind of live out of that when I needed to. So I was I was just never never home, but then decided you know I'm going to commit to the Central Coast. I love it now. So many cool things are happening. Like this is when Long Jetty was kind of flaring, yeah. and I was like, oh, I want to be part of that, and then. So I was still doing like photo work in Sydney and um, a lot and I remember thinking I'd love to shoot more on the Central Coast. So now my work is it's still very like um, just general content creating for businesses. Um, do a lot of houses like um, not real estate but more architectural yeah, photography. Yeah, you take beautiful pictures of beautiful houses. Yeah. I mean I've, I've had a bit of a troll through your Instagram and it's like, oh, I would, I would like to live in some of these uh, places, but also I think a lot of that comes yeah. down to how you capture the light, the architecture, the mood of a place. So cool. Yeah, thanks, Will. So um, 
If you're if you're around the place and you haven't picked up one of these, grab one of these books. There's a bunch of them over here in the corner. And this is called Creation in Isolation. It's a it's a free publication. I'm a poet, so I just had to put in one more rhyme there. But this publication of Creation in Isolation has been put together from photos that people took during um, the pandemic and during the lockdown. And um, Grace, your work is in here. There's some really powerful images in here. Um, first question specifically around taking photos during that period of time. Did you take more or less photos than you would have otherwise during like lockdown and sort of 2020? Yeah, um, it's a good question. I ended up becoming busier. I was very lucky because, you know, everyone had that worry of, Mm. you know, what's work going to look like? Like, you know, will businesses still need a photographer? Like that's the last expense they need to like, Mm. you know, fork out. Um, But I actually believe that, in that time, there were so many people creating new businesses and doing cool things that I ended up becoming pretty busy, yeah, um, wow. which was awesome. And then, but before that busy period kicked off, council did, um, Central Coast Council were awesome and, you know, asked if I could take some photos of how COVID has like affected my local community, which is what this yeah. is in this book. And um, that was, it was really cool to be on a, on a local project, that's for sure. And, and yeah. And like, pretty different, you know, these aren't photos of like beautiful light and architecture. These are photos of like, yeah. Um, yeah, I went to totally the COVID different... um, clinic, which was interesting. Got this photo of the, of the nurses, like, it's a cool photo. Gear. It looks sort of like a band photo. It looks like a, an album cover. <laughs> it, is, it is a kind of funny photo. It's on page 10. If you're around the place, you want to check it out. This, this photo called Birthday Drive-By is pretty cool. I mean, this captures a moment in time in such uh, a beautiful and, you know, powerful way. Um, you want to tell the story behind this picture? Yeah. Well, um, you know, council asked us to pick, you know, our favourite photo that we took for – of that project because it was like a six-week project and I know some other photographers were, you know, choosing like the real moody kind of shots that were awesome that definitely represented that time. What was the brief? Like what did you get asked to do for six weeks? Just photos of anything um, that captured life? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just that. Yeah. And your interpretation of that. Yeah, cool. And um, for me that birthday drive-by, so what happened was I noticed on social media because we couldn't, host and you know people couldn't do anything um I noticed a few times that I'd see pictures of people videos going past that person's house whose birthday it was throwing presents out the window or just honking their horns or just yelling out like happy birthday yeah and I'm thinking oh that's so cool and then um I remember I was just driving back from the beach and I was stuck in like crazy traffic in quiet Toon Bay I was like you know it's 3 p.m like why is it why am I stuck in traffic? And then I could uh-huh. just see all these like banners, like happy 40th birthday, Brad. And then I was like, happy birthday, you know, what's going on? I was, and I remember thinking, oh, quick, get my camera, need yeah. to photograph this. And then I was thinking, oh, Brad, I know Brad. Brad picked up a birthday cake from my work that day because I um Oh, wow. Um, at Flower & Co., so then I was Which, like, quick, quick side note for those listening, Flower and Co. It's <laughs> yeah, cafe little plug in. That, that Grace and Tim uh, run in Tawim Bay. It's a beautiful yeah. little spot. Obviously, stay like go to modern organic lots, but also go to Flower and Co. Lots. <laughs> yeah, you can come visit us too. So Brad came and got a cake. Yeah, so well, his family organized a birthday cake for him. And I remember seeing it in the order book 
and and I know Brad too and then it just all kind of clicks I was like oh my gosh like Brad's 40th birthday like I would love to come to that anyway like I would love to do a little drive by but I quickly grabbed my cameras and oh my gosh it was so cool like there was I think there was like 40 cars and um they just had banners like people went all out like Mm. he's a very loved awesome guy and um and I didn't realize how many people I know that know him as well. And yeah, so I just snapped away um, him receiving presents through the window, and um, yeah, it was just a fun time. So it was kind of a fun, positive thing. Yeah, photo happy, which which is so cool. I mean, that's an I awesome liked. story. Like that's such a cool story of I guess um, yeah, the human spirit through um, yeah. pretty tough time, and um, a really cool like. The, the photo is awesome, but to hear that you actually know the guy and you, he'd come into your bakery that morning and you <laughs> yeah. accidentally ended up in the traffic of the of the drive-by, um, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, Grace, I feel like I could talk to you for a long time, but we are getting towards <laughs> the end of our 15-minute chat. Yes. I've got a few really deeply important questions to ask you. One, what's the best Instagram filter for a pleb like me to use to become an influencer? <laughs> oh, well, being a photographer, I don't use filters. I um, what about Couldn't being a non-photographer? Even... Oh. Nah, fair, fair call. Uh, honestly, Good I told question. my wife I would ask that question and she's like, if you ask that question to photographers, they're all going to say they don't use Instagram yeah, filters. So exactly. I walked into that one. I'd been warned. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, what What does your like actual creative practice look like in terms of um, do you have any kind of like particular routines or things you do or is it just, you know, tell me a little bit about how it actually looks for you when you take photos in practice. Well, for work, you know, like how do I get ready for the day? Is that what you mean? Like, Yeah. Oh, um, or like to go and shoot a great image. There's obviously a lot oh, more involved yeah. than just getting out a camera and clicking a button. But like, oh, you know, okay. I think yeah. a lot of people think they could this. be amazing photographers, but um, they yeah. don't understand that there's, there's obviously different things happening in there's your mind when you do on. that than there would be in mine. Yeah, there's a lot of organising for, perf- for those perfect shots. And for me, it's all about light. Like working with good natural light. Um, I'm one of the rare photographers in kind of with shooting houses that doesn't use flash and it does mean it's a slower process because instead of, you know, shooting a house in an hour like a bunch of photographers, it could take me four hours just because I'm watching light and the way it moves. I'll reschedule if it's a day like today, which is very overcast because that helps me... I don't know, create the best shot, I guess. So it's always about um, watch. Light. Yeah, I'm always watching light even when I'm not working. Um, I'm always conscious of sunrise, sunset, mm. that golden hour, yeah. morning and afternoon and, yeah. So cool. Well, Grace, thanks so much for having a chat. Yeah, thanks, thanks for your, your beautiful images to capture this moment in our, our shared sort of history together. And um, you are a part of, of the neighbourhood here. And people can go and have a chat to you sometime at Flower and Co. And um, <laughs> yeah, cool. yeah, if you heard anything in this conversation that inspired you and you want to have a chat to Grace, I'm sure she'll hang around for yeah, a I'll moment. Yeah, hanging afterwards. around, eating some date and walnut bread. It's really good. Next up in line was Chantelle Lewis King, also known as Coastal Incidental, documenting the Central Coast through really interesting photography. You'll hear a little bit more about it. Here's my chat with Chantelle. I moved up to the Central Coast in my teens and would have a, a bit of a, I suppose, a cultural cringe about the area, the buildings, right. all, the, all of that. And then a number of years ago now, I actually just started um, 
going around and trying to see it anew and trying to just actually appreciate um, where I did grow up and kind of reconcile in a way with that cultural cringe. So I started just posting photos online, which has become a bit of a photography project. But um, at its heart, Coastal Incidental is very much about trying to change perceptions of where the beauty lies on the Central Coast, both amongst locals and also tourists. And I think up on the Central Coast and particularly areas like Long Jetty, there's a a real opportunity to make people just go stop and go, actually, that's actually quite beautiful. There's a history there without just thinking immediately, oh, this is something that's a a cringeworthy thing to see or to demolish. So that was um, how Coastal Incidental very much started. Yeah, very cool. Well, they're beautiful photos. And if people want to have a look at the neighbourhoods program for this weekend basically all the photos in that program are your photos and they really do capture the essence of place um can you remember when when you first started to take photos or like what was one of the first memories you have of being behind the lens and taking a photo yeah it was actually in in my teens up on the central coast this was before long jetty was the coffee haven that it is today and it was just a a a row of antique shops or Felice signs. So at, on the back page of the neighbourhood's brochure, there's actually a photo of Long Jetty, which is pre how we see it today, which was actually one of the first photos I started to take. So it was back when I think the glass onion, well, the glass onion um, was a real estate agent and a computer store. And then what is now Shadow Bang was just lying empty. So that was one of, yeah, one of the first photos I took. It was on an old Pentax. I had to get it developed. Back in the day when your only options were really like a very lo-fi digital camera or analog. So Yeah, so cool. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to fix this feedback, which just... Um, and you've taken a number of, of like these really, I guess, photos of things that are every day, but like you said before, you're trying to kind of pull out that, that beauty and maybe get us to pause mm. and look at a place differently. Do you have a particular favourite photo of this area, like a photo you've taken in Long Jetty that kind of springs to mind as one you're particularly proud of? I, I don't think I have a particular photo. I'd like to say I do, but I, I think what I'm... I suppose it's the body of all the photography in total, which I'm really, like, happy about and also to have, like, even just since I started this project, um, well, what has now become a project, probably about, I reckon, maybe 40% of the buildings or the signs or the quirky little scenes have changed or been demolished. So it's actually, that's what I'm really um, quite happy about to see that that capturing of yeah. the area. Um I do say like in terms of photos, like anything where the light hits, similar to what Grace was saying, like there's those beautiful times of day that, um, you know, golden hour, um, sunrise. I was over at Wyong the other morning and I know I probably shouldn't be talking about another summer. Um, no, go for it. But it was post. just... It was just so beautiful, like hitting the, the Chapman building where um, the coffee shop is and that, and it was just the sun rising. And so anything like those sorts of moments that really breathe life into a building. And I, I'm very much about, you might notice in the photos, I don't really incorporate people in the photos or anything like that. It's yeah. very much about the, the stillness and just trying for the buildings and, and the history there to actually just speak for itself and for the light to, to play with that as well. Yeah, I love that. Um, I love the a lot of things you just said, but the idea of like, capturing a place in a moment in time knowing that it is going to continue to evolve yeah and when we look at a photo like this picture of long jetty that's in a totally different state uh, it actually makes us realize that the places around us that we we don't see them changing mm. 
they're changing around us all the time. Yeah, definitely, because up on the coast, like sometimes that change can seem quite rapid with long jetty, but it was actually, you know, in some ways it was, but it was also like a bit of a slow build as well. And I think at the moment we're also seeing that in areas such as Tukli as well, where there's this bit of a, yeah. a slow build and an incremental change. And, and then that change comes about through community coming together and seeing, well, what are the possibilities up here on the central coast for, for connections, for community? Yeah, for sure. So obviously um, if we think about photos of like empty streets or photos without people in them, last year probably presented some good opportunities for you in some senses. Did you find that you were taking more or less or different kind of photos during the lockdown? Yeah, I found I was taking more photos, particularly just more with the iPhone as well because I was going out on daily walks. I also did a couple of live streams of walks through some of the different suburbs as well and had people write and go, oh, my gosh, can you turn a bit more to that? I want to see that or sharing their memories about a a particular building. So I was very much like I think walking, there's so much, it's not just about walking, but particularly in times where there's isolation as well, like how do you actually connect to people in those moments? And so I, I started doing a few live streams just as part of that. Yeah, that's very cool. And Coastal Incidental, people can obviously follow that on Instagram. Um, You've also got some zines here, which Mm. is very cool. I'd love to hear the stories about those. But just a quick question, um, are you taking photos across the whole Central Coast region or are there particular kind of focus areas or what's the scope of Coastal Incidental? I like to think the scope is broad. Having said that, most of my photos, I really want to focus on the, the upper coast as well in a way because often that has been, speaking of change and change being a bit slow, I think we've seen change come through the lower coast, the peninsula, a lot more like it, 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 it's bubbling up there. Whereas up here, um, I'm, I'm much more about, I suppose from like Wyong upwards is really my focus area in terms of what I'm interested in. But the, those other areas down along the, the peninsula are equally worthy of, of capturing. I do get down there occasionally, but yeah, from Wyong upwards. I'm yeah, really cool. into. So tell me about your zines and can people uh, pick these up somewhere or what's the story? Yeah, so the story is I've been creating them for a, a couple of years now and um, uh, they're essentially just photos that I've taken. So I've got one about the, the cars on on on, cent- on the central coast that I've taken in front of buildings and that is actually there's a couple of photos that are currently showing outside Exhale, which is a shop just up the road. And then I've also got um, a couple of zines about, one is walking Wyong, going back to walking, and then also walking along Jetty as well. So some of these Polaroids um, were taken in more recent times and some were taken during COVID as well because I just wanted something that was a bit more accessible, like instant in a way, and you're only getting one copy and you can't yeah. really just... When you take a photo on an analogue camera, you really need to just focus and not actually like click a thousand times, which I know I'm guilty of with a digital. So the zines, yeah, so one's about all the, the quirky signage and buildings of Wyong and then another is Long Jetty and as I said, yeah, yeah classic cool. cars. Yeah. And do you have a preference these days over like is analogue your preference of photography style? I think at the moment I've been really getting into it mainly for the mind, like as corny as it sounds for the mindfulness as well. Like you do yeah. really, you only have a couple of photos. A film roll is very expensive to both buy and develop. And so it really just focuses you in on that moment. And I do enjoy the the delayed gratification of putting the film in and waiting for it to be developed and see what comes out. So at the moment I've been very much enjoying analogue but um and also um, Polaroids as well. Yeah, cool. It sounds like your practice... You know, obviously walking is a part of it and then that sort of discipline of of less is more and having to kind of rein yourself in. Mm. Um, It sounds like your practice would be quite good for you just in terms of your own well-being. Is that a fair statement or do you find that it is something that you do to kind of fill you up or...? 
Oh, I think a bit of both. Like I definitely get energy from it and particularly like sometimes when the, the light hits a, in a particular moment, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the most beautiful thing ever and it will sustain me for days. So, And as you said, like that sort of discipline as well, which is what I try and capture in the photos. Like I'll often wait for it to be completely clear of all, not clutter, but just, again, just trying to capture that stillness in the moment. Yeah, cool. Now I'm not a photographer. Um, You're a podcaster. I'm a podcaster. I use words. But... Um, like everyone in the world, everyone in the room today, I have an iPhone. I'd like to take better photos. What would be your number one tip for any aspiring, you know, iPhone photographers? What I would suggest would be to perhaps not overfilter. Like I think think about the photo as you're taking it versus, well, what can you do after it? Because with technology mm. and with iPhones, I think it's like, oh, we've got so many tools at our disposal that we can just, you know, heal a, a little error out or filter it in terms of the colour, which I think is great as well. So I'm, I'm in no way precious about that. But actually just stop and go, well, what am I trying to capture in this moment? What do I want to say? And that might take a little bit longer and maybe even just try and discipline yourself to use that word to go well mm. uh, for this photo I'm only going to take maybe one or up to five but I'm not just going to randomly snap it's going to be very intentional and yeah. I think that means that bringing that sense of being intentional to it I think is quite critical because otherwise so much of our lives are otherwise mediated through a lens like we're not actually present so I think if we're sitting there taking a photo but also taking it in it means that we're present in the moment and I think that can be reflected as well because otherwise so many of our experiences we're just snapping away even you see people at concerts without actually going, oh, no, I need mm. to be here right now. Yeah, the thing I'm hearing, Chantel, from from your work and just your being is just a real sense of slowing down. Like the world is changing, it is moving, things are quick, we can take 10 trillion photos on our phones in five seconds, um, but your, everything you're saying is just reminding me, like, slow down, notice the place, take less but better photos actually be present when you click the button or whatever, uh, which is a really beautiful reminder. So thank you for giving that to me and everyone else. Um, where can people follow your work and connect with you? Uh, so mainly on Instagram. So it's Coastal Incidental on Instagram. Next up after Chantel, I got to have a chat with Danielle Higgins. Danielle runs Exhale Art and Wellness Studio in Longjetty. And she's not only an artist, but an art therapist. And we had a fantastic chat about the role of art therapy and art as therapy. And uh, I'm going to drop you in on this conversation with her opening up about the kind of state that creativity and art can put us into. Like it's called the flow, the flow mm. state. Yep. Um, so it's similar to meditation that you can just switch off those thoughts, the stresses and mm. Yeah, they just quiet, quiet yeah. down and you just focus and you're just in the zone. So, um, yeah, I think any kind of art making and there's so many different mediums that you can, like what might resonate with you. Yeah. Um, so we try to do all different types of classes at the studio. Um, but besides that, there's also art therapy. So that's where an art therapist facilitates a process and they'll guide you. Mm. Um they'll create or design a process that will purposely kind of trigger thoughts um, and get you to explore. Mm. Um, and it's really more about the meaning behind the artwork and the journey of creating the artwork. It's not the final outcome, the, the idea. Yeah. yeah. So the idea is not to have something beautiful to hang, hang up in your lounge room. It's yeah. just, yeah, 
creating it and the meaning and the reflection that comes from that. Um, so, yeah, I think that art therapy can really just kind of bypass a lot of our kind of thinking and mm. just go straight to like almost you, you, like your subconscious mm. um, and can really bring things to the surface yeah. and get you to kind of have your own like epiphanies and like get in touch with your own just inner wisdom. Mm. Um, yeah, that we don't always take the time to sit and do that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, bypassing just the words and like rather than, so it's kind of, it's a counselling tool. Mm. Um, that the art therapist uses and different and can be more effective for some people who might not be able to articulate, especially yeah. like thoughts and feelings. That can be hard to really pinpoint what what those words are around that, how yeah. you're feeling. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, sounds like you do some great stuff, just stones throw away at Exhale Wellness yeah. Studio. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, amazing. And for you personally, um, is there, you know, what does it look like for you to engage in art just in a therapeutic way in that kind of maybe that first mode of just making stuff? Do you have kind of a regular creative practice or is design more of a work thing for you or more of that just, you know, personal expression or a bit of both? Yeah, I can just get into that flow state when I'm creating anything. I love to just create like splash paint on the can, like a big canvas and make an abstract artwork. Yeah, awesome. And it just, I don't think about anything else. Um, and besides that, I do some digital, like some design, some illustration and I just, it's kind of like similar to just colouring in, I guess, on the, yep. on the iPad. So that, that also just gets me into that same just state, that mental state that's just like your happy place. Yeah. And yeah. do you come across a lot of people that um, would say I'm not creative or I'm not artistic? Oh, this kind of stuff that you're talking about is lovely for some people but not for me. What's your response when people say something like that? So that's the whole reason why I set up the studio space. So trying to encourage people who are beginners or don't know anything about any of that to have a safe space to come and explore um, and get in touch with that and nurture their creative side and get to know that they do have a creative Mm -hmm. side and they can do it. And, yeah, we run um, like paint and sips as well, which is more of a um, like social type thing, but people there 100% they come in and they just go I'm not an artist I can't I haven't painted since high school and I'm terrible and they always come in with a disclaimer nearly the whole class will come in with a disclaimer and I just kind of I know how it will turn out because it's always it always is the same and they do surprise themselves and they do come away with something that they're they're pretty proud of and Yeah, so I just kind of laugh when they say that and just go, well, you you might surprise yourself. I mean, it might be a bit of a bigger philosophical question than we can answer in this chat, but I encounter that a lot. I'm a poet. I do a lot of poetry workshops and try and help people do a similar thing with writing out, you know, their their feelings through poetry. Mm. But that is just such a widespread attitude that so many Mm. of us have, even those of us who are creative in that stereotypical way we feel like for some reason we're not good enough or that we're not creative like where do you think that comes from I think it's just a fear of failure or looking silly and I think it's like a big perfectionist I think lots of people are perfectionists Mm. and they want to they want it to look like yours like they want to compare and they they think I'm not going to be able to do to that standard and it's so interesting with art because you know, if you've got someone who's an artist and he's painting every day, like, of course, like, you can't paint exactly what they're going to paint. You wouldn't pick up a guitar and expect to be able to just play an amazing song. Yeah. Like, but 
but people expect that they should be able to with art. And they ignore the fact that the person's amazing art or amazing songwriting has come out of a whole bunch of absolute rubbish along the way that is the only way to get good at anything. Yeah, and failure, like, well, I think in art there's no failure, there's no right or wrong anyway, but it's... I kind of like have to do risk taking like you, you splash the paint around and like it might it might not work and, and you can just paint over it and you can just fix yeah. it and you just work with it so I think people maybe aren't used to that way of thinking with yeah. other aspects of life yeah and so that idea as well of like we're, we're here for the process rather than the product is pretty relevant there as well just yeah. get in have a go engage yeah. with the process yeah explore it be curious right like I often think about this I got a five-year-old and a three-year-old they haven't learnt yet to um, stop themselves from just putting out an idea or yeah. splashing some paint. It's or so interesting. Like, yeah, kid, kids are fearless. Yeah. And I've noticed because I teach kids classes after school as well, and there is an age that they start to hold back and they start to get quieter and they start to get get like you can see in their body like they're more anxious. That oh wait, I've stuffed up. Like I need a rubber. I need to rub it out. Like it's yeah. not good enough. And I don't know. I don't know why why that starts happening. But I think it's around the age of nine or ten it mm. starts happening. And like the older you get, the more there's that resistance to creating art if you're not yeah. not used to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's I love the work that you do, and I love. I mean, that that you're a part of this place, and obviously this is kind of sitting within this kind of weekend of the idea of neighbourhoods. Um, in Long Jetty, we've got you know, beautiful cafes and, um, you know, wonderful small businesses of all kinds and it's a really colourful, vibrant place. Mm. How do you see your work just sitting within the context of the neighbourhood? And I guess what's your, like, vision and heart for, like, the space that you've created, what it could do for, you know, this kind of whole area? Yeah, I'm just wanting people to feel that it's a safe space that they can come and um, I want it to just be vibrant, like, fit in with what's going on here and um, I'm trying to work with local artists as well so that um, it's not just me there's like lots of different people really sharing their specialty and their talents Um, so running different workshops different mediums um, yeah on on the weekends and things so hoping that people will just try out you know dabble in in different mediums and give something a go and yeah so good um people that might be listening to this whether they're listening really actively or it's just kind of in the in the back of their earshot what would be a like a next step or a recommendation for people who may um want to engage more in i guess art as a form of therapy um but have all of those fears of perfection or judgment that we have what would be your kind of next step or advice for them i guess just get in there and give it a go however that might be like welcome to come to our classes and workshops they're like for beginners all levels um most of them and the art therapy groups too they you can connect with others um in that way as well but even just at home like just give it a go like what's the worst that's going to happen like scrunch up the piece of paper tuck it in the bin like try again like there's no yeah yeah uh, there's no failure and i think that's that, I know that doesn't hold me back when I'm creating. Like, I just work with my mistakes and sometimes there's a gift in the mistakes. Sometimes you're like, wow, like, look, that that forced me to do this and it, you've transformed it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, yeah, just get out of that logical... Sometimes yeah. have a break from that. For sure, for sure. It's so... Um, I guess the cultural norm is that... Is it left brain thinking? Yeah. Or, you know, rational 
yeah. logical productivity kind of hustle culture. Yeah, and we so need to that like that that yeah switch across, mm. get into that flow state. Yeah, and, it's um, freeing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, awesome. Well, Danielle, it's been such a pleasure to meet you. Thank hear a little you. bit about what you do and the the beautiful safe space that you help hold for people. Mm-hmm. Um, people can obviously pop into the store, which is just down that way. Just on the corner, um, yeah. But how can I connect with you online and on socials and all of that? Yeah, we're on Facebook and Instagram and um, the website's just exhalearts.com.au. Um, yeah, and on Instagram, exhale.art.studio. This next conversation is with Reed Plummer. Reed took uh, an iconic photo, which you will get the story of in this conversation, but you might want to do a bit of a look at his Instagram as well while you listen to this and check out what we're talking about. I'm 26 years old and full-time a photographer and a bit of videography and drone stuff on the side. Right. Um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm local to the Central Coast, been using the Central Coast as my main subject for my photos. Yep. Um, but I have a few connections up to the Whit Sundays as well, so a lot of my work oh, nice. and the commercial side of it too is um, like Queensland tourism stuff. Yeah, cool. Um, which kind of has supported me to be able to then come back home and really push my craft here and set up a drone business called Central Coast Drones, um, which kind of is my bread and butter for using photography on a commercial level. But yep. um, yeah, my passion is to create images, I guess, that haven't really been seen before, mm. just create something a bit different. Yeah, and, awesome. Um, I'd say that's probably my main aim and my goal as a photographer is, yeah, to go find these things and um, yeah. And I mean, obviously... Drone photography does get to a, a different angle than yeah, most of, of us who just have the phone in our pocket, the iPhone yeah. or whatever. Um, were you when? How early did you get interested in photography? And did it start? What kind of camera did you start on? You know, was yeah. there like a whole photography background before you yeah, got into definitely. drones? Yeah. Um, so yeah, probably since about like eleven years old, I've been knowing that I wanted to be a photographer. Wow. Um, it started just being a surfer here on the Central Coast, as we all are, just being so orientated around the ocean. Mm. Um, I started realising I wasn't as good at surfing as I thought, so I realised my pathway would be more creating a visual and showing that lifestyle. And as I've done it, I've just become more obsessed with it to the point where it's kind of a bit of an addiction, I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, probably from 12 to 22, like, was just shooting off a... Canon 7D and a Canon 1000D before that. Um, did a bit, a bit of film photography with a Pentax K1000 and like did a photography course at uni and did that all that at high school. Um, I guess you could say though, as I was doing it, I was just, I didn't really know what I was trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I was creating something to be a part of an industry where I felt like I belonged as a photographer. Right. Um, and then drones came out and I just realised straight away that this was new and it hadn't been seen before and I was seeing things that I've seen for the last 10 years with a new perspective and I was just amazed by it. So yeah, as soon wow. as I seen that, I was like, there's something in this and yep. definitely people I think will enjoy this when the time comes and and just the nature of who I am, I spend most of my times around the ocean and in nature in general. So I put two and two together and thought I'm bound to see a lot of things and having a photography background before getting into drones kind of helped be able to nail the shot straight away from more of just, yes, it is being in the right place at the right time and that's a lot of my work, but it's then making the most out of that situation and making sure you 
get what you want. And with yeah. me, and I'm not satisfied until I've kind of got something that is a little bit different in a way as well that kind yeah. of challenges that viewer. Yeah, I love it. Well, you, you take some amazing images, man, and people can obviously check you out on Instagram and see a yep. whole bunch of your work. Um, if people haven't got one, if you're listening and you haven't got one yet, make sure you grab one of these Creation in Isolation books. This is a really amazing collection of works that have been kind of commissioned during the, um, the lockdown. And um, Reed has some work in here. You can grab them up here as well as the kind of program for the, the, the weekend. Um, but these, these two pictures that, you know, you got a few pictures in here, but um, there's these two pictures that have shipping containers from above and then a whole bunch of um, face masks on the beach. Pretty interesting story behind these images. If people yeah. aren't familiar with it, do you want to just give a quick like backstory of where these photos came from? Yeah, so um, this was these photos were taken, I guess, in the peak of COVID when it was probably it was most fearful in everyone's eyes, you know, and um, it was actually at the time that we were really struggling to get safety masks in Australia. Um, so I think... I remember being able to buy a safety mask for like 50 cents and then it went up to $5 because literally we were running out of them. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, within that week of finding out that, that information, we had um, 50, shipping sorry, 50 shipping containers go overboard the APL England, um, which is, yeah, a cargo ship. And, yeah, out of those 50 shipping containers, I think they only ended up finding, oh, I don't know, like in the teens, like not even 20 of them. They're wow. still like... 30 out there yeah um and yeah the more that morning yeah i'd heard from some of the guys actually at take three for the sea um telling me that there were masks washing up and um i just went i pretty much searched the whole coastline and ended up at birdie beach and found exactly where they were yeah right um it's pretty crazy at the time there's no one around um at all i don't even think many people even knew that it had happened but you could see five shipping containers and just thousands if i don't even i don't know millions but like countless yeah. masks just everywhere it was very it's very very sad day actually mm. to kind of stumble upon that but part of my job and what we do is document these things and um yep it, yeah i took the photo and i didn't really realize the impact of it at the time but i definitely know that it's um one of those photos i guess you wouldn't know if it had had happened if it yeah. wasn't taken um yep. and yeah and so you got the two images because you got the you got the photo of the shipping containers kind of neatly lined up there yeah. with the, the swell coming in. And were these taken on the same day? Or? Yeah, the same day, probably only a couple of hundred metres apart. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Costco photos, it's funny how they just kind of lined up parallel against the coast, but that's exactly how it was. And, and all the debris from pretty much um, north end of Birdie Beach up until Fraser, all the way down to the entrance was just, yeah, covered in masks that day, which is very sad. And you can only imagine from the swell and currents, it kind of just spread yeah. Very quickly. To the point, I think the week after, one of my mates working on Lord Howe Island actually seen masks there, mm. um, which is, yeah, 500 kilometres yeah. west from us. It's such I an mean, interesting story. I mean, the the desperation of, like, we need the PPE, yeah. we yeah. need the masks, they're, you know, like, in short supply, and then so many of them go overboard. And then you get this stunning image that's, like, also contrasting the beauty of the ocean and nature um, with, you know, what is now just waste. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Do, do you find that through drone photography there is much of a storytelling element? Like these photos really tell a story. Are these kind of typical of how you would try and approach, you know, trying to see things from that angle? Or talk to me a little bit more about how this sits with 
other work that you do? Is it quite distinct or is this sort of representative? Um, I guess in a way it shows something to a scale that can't be shown on the ground. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, for example, well, look, I guess the easiest thing was is um, as, for, as soon as I'd found it, I called all media crews, news crews, yep. like trying to make this news because I was like, we can't just let this yeah. like just go away and not be talked about. So... I guess the first thing is, is it was five kilometres up the beach, so I could just fly up there. <laughs> yep. Whereas guys at camera crews and all that are having to like literally run five kilometres just to get the shot. Gotcha. So literally by the time I've got the photo, I've already flown the drone out back and sent it to someone by the time they've ran up there. Yep. So I guess just the ease of being able to get there as it's happening straight away is part yeah. of the storytelling. Yep. Um, and yeah, like with the other photo with the shipping container at Crackneck, um, like you wouldn't even be able to know that happened unless you had some sort of aerial surveillance. Yes. Yeah, because that, that photo was at the south end of Crackneck around the rocks between Crackneck and Forrester's Beach. And like you can do the walk there, but you couldn't see it from the headlands or anything. So, yeah, so for that week, I, was, I started from kind of Patonga Box Head and flew every bit of the central coast up until yeah. Catherine Hill Bay just to make sure that it wasn't more. Yeah. Um, no one was telling me to do that, you know. I just do yep. it because yep. at the time it's just – it was unbelievable to me that mm. um, this was happening and being so heavily involved with Take 3 and ocean conservation and, and then to realise they were actually filled with the masks, which is the thing the thing we needed at the time. Yeah. Um, it just had this crazy twist that it just yeah. almost was – yeah, it was unbelievable. 100%. And like you kind of touched on there, obviously the, um, the ability to be at that aerial view high up, you can get the big picture and you can get to places that other people can't really get on yeah. foot. It also means that your photography really highlights the smallness of us and Correct. the bigness of, like, nature. Sounds like you're pretty passionate about Definitely. the environment. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit more about what that part of your practice, you know, in terms of co- connecting with nature through your drone photography. Is that important to you? And uh, Yeah, it's pretty much the single reason why I do it. Um, yep. I guess photography starts as more of a therapeutic practice. Um, and as I've done it and been so closely connected to nature, I've realised the benefits of it. So it's just come naturally that I want to protect that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I guess just being a lover of nature, I felt, I felt like it's, I've kind of had a role to showcase it and to not change people's minds but just make them maybe rewire the way they think. Yeah. So maybe next time when they say that bit of rubbish on the beach – they don't feel like they have to pick it up. They want to pick it up. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like sure. that's the biggest difference. I remember growing up at school and it was like you wouldn't pick up other people's rubbish. You only pick up your own. Yeah. It's funny how that was ingrained into our psyche mm. even as an adult now. It's like, oh, that's not ours. Let someone else do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like just forcing myself out there and like picking up cigarette butts and, and rubbish and then documenting these things. It's all just adding to, yeah, like you said, it shows us us humans how we're on such a small scale that we're just like nature's massive and it's so much bigger mm. than us and we're here to protect it and we need to but i think we get carried away in this modern society where we just expect that we like it's yeah. ours or we have some sort of authority against it um for sure sounds like there's yeah a bit a bit of a humbling aspect to like your your photos they do they do yeah. like which is what i get when i stand before the ocean mm. i always feel that mix of like um, 
it's it's big and terrifying and huge and unknown and like you know it kind of like makes me feel super small but I also want to engage with it like mm. sort of strange mix of the fear of it the wonder of it but also like the invitation of it mm. um, that's like yeah a funny example of that is growing up being a photographer I learned everything I knew behind the north of Oka rocks there just kind of swimming in the water yeah, um, learning right. how to use water housings and different types of film cameras and all sorts of things and then I got into drones and then I realized how many sharks yeah. are at north of Oka rocks um, oh wow so yeah it was funny like now being a type of photographer there you're seeing things and then you're learning new perspectives like I used to see sharks and have a real genuine fear yeah and then I bought a drone and realized they're always out there like right I had to reshape my thinking um, yeah and yeah yeah that's cool man it's it definitely sounds like the images that you take they do that work of you see things from a different angle what used to be an angle of fear becomes maybe appreciation or Correct. different yeah. yeah do you get much feedback from people and about what your photos do for them uh, no, not at all, really. Like, a bit here and there. Um, like, I've got, like, for example, this shipping container photo is um, in the Australian Geographic finalists. Awesome, man. Congratulations. So, yeah, yeah, thank you. So, that's three years in a row running for me, which I'm absolutely wow. stoked with. So good. Um, yeah, so I guess those are the things that kind of give me that validation to be like, yeah, I'm on the right path or that they're being appreciated or this and that. Um, to be honest, on a day-to-day -day basis, like someone just showing me their iPhone background and it could be my photos enough for me to kind of yeah, cool. get that feeling. But um, in terms of how it's changing people's psyche towards the environment and all that, no, I don't really find that out firsthand until years later when someone yeah. will tell me how they've changed their habits or behaviours because of one of my images and then that makes yeah. me really feel like I've done something. Yeah. And at the time, like... When I see these shipping container photos, all I can like I think about how I lost my job that day because I cancelled work just to get those photos. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, a lot of other things have happened since taking these photos that have pushed me onto bigger and better things. And, and that's yeah. the nature of my job. Like you can't, you wake up every day, you don't even know what you're going to do by the end of it. Um, mm. And yeah, like like recently when those floods happened, you know, like just I had all this other stuff planned, and you just go to the floods and yep. document these things and tell stories through that. And yeah, um, wow. Yeah, yeah, I saw some of your flood photos on your Insta as well, like amazing. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. Um, it's a bit of a theme, like obviously range of really different photographers sitting down having a chat with me today, but that idea of like documenting yeah. history and a time and place and like a well, specific yeah, moment. Yeah. It's not something I aim to be, but um, like as these events have happened, I'm just going, well, who is anyone else doing it? <laughs> yeah. So like, well, of course they are, but I just felt like a need to have to document it because... Yeah, like you don't know if these things are going to happen again. And if they don't, if they aren't documented, then it doesn't remind us of what yeah. has happened. So then we don't change for the future. Um, yeah, yeah for since sure. the bushfires, that was kind of the, something that solidified into me that instead of putting the camera down, like, no, actually pick it up and remind people of these times because we don't mm. want to be, want to go back to them. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Well, man, it's been awesome to hear about your... Um, not only your creative practice, but how you integrate your your values and your connection with place and passion for the environment into your work. And it obviously really comes through. Um, people can pick these up, follow you on Insta. Um, anything else that you want to plug or promote or get people to connect with in terms of, yeah, your work? Uh, yeah, just, um, yeah, look us up on Instagram, like you said. Um, Reed Plumber Images or Central Coast Drones, which is my commercial business as well. Um, and, yeah, 
I expect a few things coming this year. I've just bought a car and I'm ready to travel Australia. So I'm kind of keen to see a bit more. So, awesome. Um, and just, yeah, show people what's out there and to get that appreciation for nature. So good, man. Thanks heaps for your time and yeah, having a chat Thank you. All right, one more conversation left. If you've been listening to this one-off episode, this is a chat with Tim Freer, super interesting guy. He is uh, not only a photographer, but primarily he's a, he's a paramedic, but he started to take photos of Pete Rush's work. And uh, there's a really beautiful story that, that he shares around what that uh, evolved into. So this conversation was fresh off the back of a night shift for Tim. He came and had a chat and he begins to open up about what life has been like as someone who is a paramedic during these times. When other people were locked down, we were going into houses, uh, being exposed to the unknown. With that comes a lot of stress and a lot of questioning as to what you're doing. And our exposure to people on a day-to-day basis while we're on shift was quite harrowing. To be able to go out and take photographs where it was just me um, doing something singular and solitary was also a way of having a diversion from the stresses of what COVID was bringing in lockdown and what was happening with our community. So to be able to switch off from a normal paramedic life was one thing, but in COVID times it was probably even more increased. Mm. And had you been taking photos before that or was it sort of a new creative outlet for you? Uh, for me, I've always had a camera in my hand. I've looked at having a reason or an ability to document my own personal life history, then that's come in still photography and also a video format. So it's not been something that's new to me, um, but in recent times uh, I've got a, a colleague at work that's suffered badly with PTSD and one of his ways of dealing with his post-traumatic stress disorder was taking photographs, mm. quiet time on a platform watching the sunrise and I tapped into that um, uh, three, oh, four or five years ago and realised the beauty of what we have around us, particularly on the central coast. Mm. Come lockdown and COVID, Pete Rush appeared on the circuit. Um, this fellow that nobody knew much about and I saw on social media a lot of photos being taken, this fellow out in public creating driftwood sculptures, um, using products that were just washed up from the, the floods which had um, preceded the um, the COVID um, pandemic situation that we were in. And I took an interest in what people were photographing. There was lots of iPhones out, a lot of photographers out, and I thought this is a good moment to maybe tap into something here, not mm. really knowing what was to become in the next 12 months. Yeah. I struck up a really nice friendship with Pete Rush. Um, I marvel at his... Uh, Creativity. I'm a cabinet maker by trade, so I understand construction. I understand understand using raw materials and creating them into something mm. more interesting. And that really has inspired me to pursue my photography over the last 12 months, particularly with his work. Yeah. How did you first meet? Um, did you take a photo first and then he saw that photo or did you meet in person before the photography element of the relationship? Well, almost 12 months to the day, it was only this week I met Pete for the first time. I've gone down uh, 10.30 at night down to Copacabana Beach uh, knowing that this sculpture of a Dromornus, a megafauna bird, was being um, constructed by Pete. I didn't know he worked at night time. I've gone down at 10.30 because 
I'm not only a paramedic, I've got a young family, uh, three-year-old twins, six-year-old and a busy life as um, a full-time paramedic and just trying to find time is hard. So I snuck down there with a clear night, milky ways out um, and this uh, sculpture was there. But lo and behold, the um, sculptor was also um, doing his touch-ups and we did a couple of really interesting shots and it was my Audi torch, I think, that really won Pete over. <laughs> we, we did a shot with the flashlight in the sky and it was lighting up the, um, the sculpture and from that point onwards we talked more about his concepts as to why he was building these and the reasons behind them and I have always tried to capture his concept, his motivations but also put a little bit of a spin of my own creativity with it as well. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's the, the layers of there's the original artwork and then your photos are their own artwork that kind of capture that from a particular angle. What are some of the things that are in your mind when you're taking a photo of one of those sculptures? I, I think it's, for me, using the time that I've got, do a bit of planning before I get there and knowing that I'm only going to get probably one chance to take the shot that I want. And there's a couple of factors that come with Pete's work. It's so temporary. It's open to vandalism. It's open to the natural elements to be knocked down within hours of me taking that photograph. Uh, but also respecting the wishes of the sculptor. Like any artist, you don't really want to have your work documented before it's actually completed. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I honour that whenever I know that there is a sculpture being built. Um, so a lot of it's by chance and by luck but it also has a lot of planning and listening to what the sculptor's ideas were behind each of these um, sculptures themselves. There was a data that he made over on Chittaway Bay and he said to me uh, there was these cormorants and, and datas um, nesting in some of the old sculptures he made and he said, I'm going to make this big data and I want to have multiple birds with their wings spread out on it. And he says, I don't care if it takes a week or a month for you to try and get a shot with all of these birds with their wings open on it. I've gone down the very next day after a night shift. Lo and behold, there's one bird on this sculpture. Then there was two and then there was three. And that shot really stimulated Pete um, with these three um, darters and, and cormorants with their wings open. Pete shared it with um, ABC Central Coast Facebook and it went viral and went around the world pretty much. Um, in social media terms, I've never had a photograph liked 20,000 times by people, comments, mm. four, four and a half thousand shares and it went wow. to all over the world and I was getting messages back. So little did I know by capturing what the artist was after, um, the resonating effects that it has. Consequently, we had an East Coast low four days after I took that photo. It blew the whole thing down, never to be seen again. So mm. thankfully I waited for Pete to give me the okay to, to photograph it and thankfully I got the shot that he was after. So your photos bring a level of, I guess, legacy to some very impermanent, and that's part of their beauty, these sort of naturally put together pieces that don't last forever, but the photo kind of does capture that in a way that lasts. It's really beautiful. Absolutely. I think to be able to document this um, very generous man's work, this creative man's work that is temporary, it doesn't go into a museum, it doesn't go into a, a, someone's private home because it's only tied together with New Zealand flax. It's, it's an all-natural product. For me to be able to capture it, for him, the sculptor, to have a, 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 a keepsake, something that's permanent, 
but for me to also document it in a way, this is a small period of time in Central Coast's history, art-wise, that I'm able to document in a way that I have been recognised. And it's quite humbling to, with so many photographers out there capturing these shots, for Pete to identify mine as the ones that he's pursuing, as, as enjoying the, 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 the finished result, um, yeah, I, I'm still coming to terms that it's me that he's um, one of the people that he's really focusing on and maybe relying on to, to document it. But it's not just Pete. I think it's I'm doing something for the Central Coast. Like what this whole event is, is a bit of a time capsule. Mm. Looking at what we did in COVID times, and this is one of the things that I did and something that Pete did that we've been able to share with the greater community. Yeah, awesome. That's obviously very much interwoven with that story of the moment in time. If you just uh, maybe cast your mind forward a few years, what kind of photos do you think you'll be taking down the track or is that, you know, you just sort of in the moment discovering what the next thing is as you go? I, I think that's the, 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 the fun thing about photography is you can flip from one thing to the next and it becomes boring if we stayed with one, one subject matter. So, you know, I've done wildlife. I've, I'm renovating a house over at North of Oka and it backs onto a rainforest and I was stunned as to how many beautiful birds, native birds that we have on the central coast that we were attracting um, with feeds and I was able to photograph them with these beautiful dark backdrops with the stunning light that we were getting there. Earlier on with my paramedic mate, we were getting the seascapes of the local area. So you become quite diverse and, and it's at the moment sort of shooting that I do, what the opportunity, what my lifestyle is letting me allow, allowing me to do. But this is probably the biggest step I've, I've done in my photographic journey is to to put myself up for some sort of scrutiny or judgment and display and exhibition and even the opportunity to talk about my work is is pretty cool yeah it's very cool it, do you feel because um i get coming back to that you know full-time paramedic busy life young kids um you probably need some spaces that are just about you know refueling your tank and things like that this thing happens with creative works and art where the more that people come in, the more it can become, you know, the passion can shift into something that almost uh, loses a bit of that specialness. Mm. Do you feel like that's happening or at the moment is it still really energising for you? Uh, it, it's still very energising and, and one of the things that allows me to do what I'm doing at the moment, as I stated, I've got a young family at home. I've got to have the support at home as well to be able to do what I do. To, to do I don't get a leave pass. I'm not told... You know, when I, I'm allowed to go out and shoot, I'll just say that I'm going to go out and shoot and, and the home is going to be looked after while I'm gone. So while that's happening, I think that I'm doing something for my family itself. Um, if I can take that photograph or get that image, which makes people feel happy, um, it, it, it's leaving some sort of legacy, not only for myself, not only for, for my family, but the community, I think it's a good thing. Um, yeah. With my paramedic work, we go to all sorts of clientele. Sometimes we have good experiences. A lot of the time we have bad experiences and we've got to have some way of counterbalancing that. So giving back to the community in a, in, a, in a visual form where I normally don't have to speak, I can just present a photograph, which the photograph tells the story. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, to anybody else in the room who has a demanding job um, and uh, is looking to kind of get engaged with a creative outlet, would you have any advice or any thoughts around, um, you know, just from your own experience of doing that, things you'd want to say to others? Yeah, I think it is vitally important. Our well-being is something that we really have to manage 
Um, a lot of the times our subconscious allows all sorts of things to happen without us even taking note and it's having that balance where you far outweigh what you do in your relax, relaxing times, your leisure time, your family time, as opposed to what you do in the office as such, which is, in my instance, in, in, in people's crisis or a dilemma that they may be in, I've got to have a balance that's way greater outside of that to be able to counter it. Mm. Be also very aware that I am subjected to things that I don't want to be subjected to, but it's the job that I've signed up for and that's how I have to learn to deal and reconcile it. The other thing is if people see or my friends see my photos pop up on my Facebook page on a reasonably regular basis, is that just letting them know I'm okay? I'm out doing stuff and not, don't worry about me, I'm doing all right. Mm. Oh, that's a cool way of looking at it. Um, now, you've got some business cards here if people do want to come and grab one of those and connect more. But where can people see your work? You know, what's the Instagram um, account to follow if they want to yeah, check it in- out? Instagram, um, written on the back of the cards here. There's a number of formats. Uh, I'm not real good on Instagram, but I promise I will get better. Uh, <laughs> it's at Tim Freer. Oh, it's at Tim FR33R. If you look at that for the Instagram. I've got a Smug Mug account which has an extensive library of the, the work that I've done. I only have a personal Facebook page which I should probably rectify so a lot more people can see the work I'm doing as as time goes on and what I've done in the past. But um, Instagram probably would be the, the way that we look at at the moment. But I think also I'd encourage people to start printing their works. The feeling that I've got in the last couple of hours walking through the Lucky Surf Shop and the Grant Maloney Gallery and seeing my photographs printed and framed on a wall in a big format Mm. it's quite humbling and quite um character building to go you know it looked good on the back of a phone or the back of a lcd screen on a slr but geez they look good and it takes me back to things like opening a magazine like the creation isolation that's been put out the smell of a magazine is like takes me back to my youth Mm. a surfing journal that you might open um, a vinyl record that you buy from a shop. You know, we're returning back to some of these things. We've got to remind ourselves these give us great pleasure. Yeah, awesome. Well, Tim, thank you so much for sharing. I, I really love the, um, I guess, distinctiveness of your situation in which you got to see the pandemic through some really interesting lenses, um, both in terms of, and no pun intended there, but both in terms of uh, being in the emergency services uh, as well as then having this, you know, up close um, relational creativity uh, kind of lens. That must have been such an interesting duality. Uh, but it's awesome to be able to hear about how that's played out for you. And yeah, thanks for, for sharing and having a conversation with me this morning. Yeah, it's awesome. Awesome, Will. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. No worries. Thanks, Tim. Well, there you go. I hope you got some inspiration out of those conversations or some encouragement maybe to go and take some of your own photos or document your stories or, um, you know, dust off whatever creative tools you've got laying around. Um, I did want to give a shout out to Sharon Aldrich. I got to have a chat with Sharon on the morning as well. We had a beautiful conversation. She took a stunning photo called Dougie and his dog as part of the Creation in Isolation series. I did unfortunately have some technical difficulties with recording Sharon's chat on the morning, um, but do go and check out her work. Also, just want to give a shout out to Tim Borum, who was really the man behind 
um, the idea of the Neighbourhoods Festival and obviously a lot of people collaborated on it but uh, that dude deserves some credit and Central Coast Council played a big role in supporting and so um, props to them as well. Uh, support local. Go and get amongst this stuff. Make sure you go follow neighbourhoods underscore CC on Instagram because I have no doubt this is going to grow into beautiful things in the future. Hey, if you've liked my little bits of chatting in between and you came here for the other people on this podcast, then go and check out my work as well. You can follow me on Insta at William Small. Full name my mama gave me. All right, yo. Well, I think that's it for now. Probably won't put any more episodes on this podcast channel for like another... 10 years so go check out one of the other 100 projects I'm working on at any particular moment in time sayonara suckers